Hello and welcome to the Hulkcast. As usual, I'm your host, James Rushton. Aston Villa, unfortunately, were defied by Fulham in the Championship Playoff Final at Wembley. That means promotion is a no-go for this season, at least. Once again, though, I'm delighted to be joined by uh, Danny Raza. It's been a few weeks, mate. How are you getting on? Your trip to Wembley? Oh, the less said, the better, I think, is the uh, best word. But uh, you, you're all right. You're doing well. You know what? Right. End of the day. This, I mean, the, just just to kind of like intro in this podcast. They say that the best thing that you can do when you're feeling miserable is not to bottle up your feelings. And we're gonna we're releasing a bit of an open forum tonight where we will absolutely talk about this, um, despite the fact I think everybody's been sort of bottling it up. Uh, and yeah, we've got to we've got to approach it all head on. Um, to be honest, I was avoiding the topic at work today. Uh, if I if I remember correctly, people would come up to me, kind of like ask about Villa, and I was kind of saying, yeah, don't don't want to talk about it, not right now. But um, yeah, I'm feeling all right, James. Well, uh, I think we need need to we do owe a slight apology. I think we didn't cover the uh, second leg of the playoffs and the uh, championship final. Um, those are those for a few reasons, uh, personal reasons. I had a job interview. And less said about that, the better. But uh, yeah, um, I think it's it's a really good thing that we actually didn't cover this because I, you know, we were going to get ahead of ourselves. And oh, mate, what can we say? Like championship playoff final, Fulham one, Aston Villa nil. Let's get into the match. What is there to speak about in terms of positives from that ninety minutes? Jack Grealish was okay, I guess. He played well. Uh, I think it was. Uh, he was the only real player who seemed to be driving at Fulham and, and kind of like challenging them. Uh, I mean, throughout the game, he was he was the only one who, who was positive at, at sort of sort of trying to beat players and trying to get ahead of the get trying to get ahead of the defenders. A lot of the time, he was up there on his own. Got nothing against Lewis Graben, but Lewis Graben seemed to be tracking back more times than trying to get ahead of the defense. Uh, so you know, a lot of the times, Grealish seemed to be um, ahead of his uh, you know ahead of everybody else during that game. Um, Proven once again why he is a big money player and uh, why he's probably our most valuable asset. Well, Fulham took the lead um, sort of early on for a Tom Kearney goal. Um, they rejected a big bid for him from Newcastle earlier. I think it was at the start of the season in the summer. And it's a uh, paid dividends, mate. They're a creative player. Snuck in through Alan Hutton and John Terry and uh, scored the pivotal goal because uh, Fulham didn't really have a look in after that because... Uh, you know, the, the momentum would naturally swing to Villa and Villa didn't make the most of it. But uh, it's wa- wasted, wasted, wasted game there. I, I don't think I was insulting the players. I was very much sort of angry at the players for not seeming to put enough effort in um, on the day. But like, when you look at it, when, you know, you talk about Fulham and 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 them not really creating anything after the first goal fulham fulham were poor i mean okay i wouldn't say poor fulham were very very average they were bang average they played no different to any other sort of mid table championship team right because they they scored the goal and then stayed on the back foot for like the next 45 minutes but the difference is when a team's on the back foot right most teams tried to come at you and tried to score now villa did that but only in the second half we should have punished them for how poor they were playing. And I mean, the amount of fouls they were committing on Jack Grealish, you know, they were they were under pressure to, 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 to some degree. But that first half was dire. It was absolutely dire. Um, yeah. We, we just didn't, we didn't create anything. We're punished for that thing that always happens is that Jack Grealish is our best player bar none. And he had an excellent game. 
against Fulham, uh, nothing came off him except one dribble. And if he finished that chance and, you know, he had little right to do so, it was uh, off balance, facing so many challenges. And a shot just past, just at the keeper, Bettinelli. Yeah, but people that would have been the best. That would have been the best goal ever seen at that stadium. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It would have been, it would have been a beautiful goal to see at Wembley. But people also forget that he did miss a one-on-one header with an open goal as well. Uh, that, 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 yeah. that, you know, that, like let's let's not pretend that there wasn't missed opportunities. There were plenty of opportunities where where we did just cock up on, and you know, the ball went flying over the bar when in any other game, you know, it would have been um, it would have been buried. And the thing is, we were over reliant on Jack Grealish. And the thing is, um, you know, there's this there's this myth going along that that we are over reliant on Jack Grealish in in general, and we're not because we whatever happened to the form that Adoma was in when he banged in eleven goals, you know, uh, I don't know how many games it was, but uh, you know, he was he was banging in goals left, right, and centre. What happened to that? You know, what happened to uh, Lewis Graben, who who seems to get in anywhere and and and, and make a goal out of nothing? we're not we're not a team full of you know we're not a team that is supposed to be carried by Jack Grealish that's not that's not what we are it was simply that you know the bigger heads in that team did not turn up uh I genuinely feel that way uh we'll come on to a bit about Jack Grealish later and carrying the team especially because it could be a big factor going forward but yeah that match uh Villa really did kick on in the second half. They didn't get the goal they needed. Um, expected goals don't be fooled by uh, Villa and Fulham very much equal in that statistic. But I think Villa really did have the lion's share of chances due to the fact that Fulham were sitting back and trying to hold on to a lead. So I wouldn't take much of, you know account of that at all because had we scored an equaliser, I don't think you'd have expected Fulham to sit back at all. I think you'd have ex- seen them go at us again and possibly score for the exact same chance. Like they opened up this simple through ball. They get in behind. They don't rely on dribbling. They're getting behind. And uh, John Terry, uh, unfortunately, seems like an easy man to get behind. Over, you know, the course of this season, it's been, either been the long ball over the top or a through ball. That's done us on that side. Yeah, and you know what? Um, it was the whole defence that was at fault there. And I just, I, I don't, I can't, I can't, I can't get my head around the fact that all of them went to sleep on it. I cannot get my head around it. It's the it's the playoff final. It means so much to the fans. You know, the least you can expect from the players is to is to keep their heads up. You know, and to and to focus. Um, and at the end of the day, we lost to a soft goal. It was a really really soft goal. Terry watched that ball fly past him. Chester watched that ball fly past him. Alan Hutton, I don't know where he was, right? But Albert Adoma also watched that ball. You know, fly past him. Um, and yeah, as I say, it was a mild goal. Fulham weren't that good. Uh, you know. Sessegnon was was pretty much dead throughout the whole game. Um, you know, Abdullah Kamara as well. I think I think I think genuinely Fulham's Fulham's wingers did struggle for mo- for the most part of that game. It was there were a couple of opportunities that came through the centre, uh, and it perplexes me that despite the fact that James Chester and John Terry have been so solid and brilliant for us all season, that they suddenly turn up to Wembley and absolutely forget how to defend. Yeah, I think a collapse. I don't know if it was necessary collapse on the wing, but Fulham they broke onto us like uh, waves over rocks, mate. Uh, Mitrovic especially able to just swing across the, the, the flanks of the pitch into the center, destructive force. And you know you you're looking at him and you're marking him. What are you going to do about the wingers, especially Sessegnon, whose trademark is you know going off the boil for ninety minutes of a game before popping up with a brilliant moment of skill or positioning. Positioning is his main thing. Forget his pace. It's his positioning. He's smart. He'll go in for a second ball or a second chance and score, and that's his game. So he's always a threat. But I'm just so disappointed. It come down to one game, mate, and it, it fell apart. 
almost knew it though, didn't you? Like you almost knew it. Yeah. Because like it, it, it seems to happen every time when we think that we've got something good coming ahead, right? The players have a different have a different mentality to the other teams that would be in that situation. Right? I understand that it's fifty fifty when you get to the playoff final, right? But we did not make a game of it. We walked in as the nervous side, right? Straight away, right, you could see it, right? Our players were 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 absolutely overawed by the occasion, despite the fact that they're going up against, you know, generally a bunch of kids who, who haven't, you know, had that experience at that top level. They, they all were like a, a serious bag of nerves. They almost seemed like they never had any belief that they were going to win. And we, we, we just got walked over. And it, it just it just seems to happen every time. It happened at Wembley. Um, when when it was the FA Cup final, it happened in the League Cup final as well. We just seem to be so used to it. Now I understand that's not down to these players, right? But you know these players have have, have bottled it before. We bottled second place by by thrashing the best team in the league, Wolverhampton Wanderers four one, by beating Cardiff City, and then getting walked on by Bolton and QPR. We bottled it then. We bottled it again. Uh, we we are genuinely becoming the Arsenal of the Championship. Yeah, no, I can see, I can see exactly what you mean, mate. And uh, Fulham, I guess you can say deserved victors. I think you know there's been a lot of criticism throughout their fans, mate. But we spoke spoken to a few. I think you talked to the Hammy End, mm. that, uh, the the Fulham blog. I spoke to Russ Goldman of uh, Cottage Talk, and you know both come off like very very proud fans who have you know waited a long time for this, and it's come in a good way. And I can't take that away from them. As I said to you just before we started recording. Again, Villa are the bad guys in someone else's fairy tale. And it's just, we, that's our role, mate, isn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, we, we, we didn't inspire anybody this season, did we? I mean, we, we were playing well for, for a good amount of time. And I think a lot of people did want us to go up. But end of the day, you know, that, that end of season form, it came back to haunt us. Um, S- Steve Bruce, for all that's positive about him, uh, he's got a reputation of trying to shut teams off and being too solid. Um, Our team, the players that we've got in there, are far better suited to driving forward and and, and trying to be the team on top. End of the day, you know, as well as it was, as well as it worked against Middlesbrough, we looked like the boring side, whereas Fulham are that young, exuberant side with with, with drive to go forward. And, and, uh, you know, I mean... You can almost say that they're slightly lucky that they've got a talent in the sense of, of Ryan Sessegnon. But the rest of that side seems to seems to work well with each other. And the thing is, James, right? Uh, I, I don't want to get drawn into this into this idea that Fulham are this amazing footballing side in comparison to us. Because at points in the season, we've been as good, if not better, than them. When we're not we're not a side that isn't capable of the same things as them. We just don't have the bottle and we don't have the mentality. And it's simply that. They have, they have a positive mentality, Fulham, and they, they've, they've been feel good for the whole season. They've treated the fans well and their players, you know, they, they, they turn up and they, and they look like they want to win every game. No, it hurts, man. It really does. Um, because you look, you know, when that half of that stadium is full with Fulham fans and, 90 minutes blows and the cheers, the applause, the rapturous scenes, you know, Pyro going off in the stands and on the pitch. It was just, it's hard to recall, to be honest. And it's just football. That's a weird thing. It's just football. 
but you just think about all the optimism, all the nerves, and it's just gone. And that's a whole season summed up in 90 minutes. And nothing else matters. And not Robert Snodgrass's like last minute goal against Sheffield United, not Jack Grealish dribbling across the pitch, not a Hurahan's goal against Blues. None of it actually matters in the big picture. I'm really thankful for the memories and everything. I'm, you know, it has been a fun season, but it, it would that would matter if if you know we come we coming into a new season now and we're gonna things are gonna happen. We'll come on to that in a minute, but things are gonna happen now where we this isn't gonna be a positive. And it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be like that. We should. There should be rules in place to actually allow us to do be a football club and not this cost cutting, you know, business run on a shoestring because that that's not right. This is not business. This is football. But it seems like most people seem to think that we're, you know, um, I don't want to swear, but you know, we 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 we're in the shit basically. That's what, that's what a lot of people seem to think. Uh, and I, I don't, I don't know how true that is, but you know, by the look of Tony Zia's face, you know, uh, yeah, I, 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 can't, I can't, I can't see that being untrue. You know, the way that the way that we that we handle our business in January and in September, and people forget, you know, as much as people want to want to laugh about us being this side that spends too much money, we did in the first season, absolutely, we did, right? But in that second season, we spent barely anything. You know, we were run on a shoestring. We had all these players in on loan. Um, and it scares me. It scares me the fact that we didn't spend anything last season because it makes me wonder whether we actually have anything now. And as much as people want to go on about youth and, and exuberance and, and you know, the, the bringing, bringing in the players from the academy, right? <sighs> as far as I'm concerned, even the academy players bottled it at the end of the season. Yeah. I mean, what what makes you think that what makes you think that they're gonna? I mean, I I know I know that's harsh because they're all young, right? But they did they bottled the final at the end of the season. What makes you think that they're going to be able to come into the team and put in a positive mentality? I I don't know. I don't know, right? Andre Green, uh, Rashawn Hepburn, Murphy, as good as they are, like when whenever whenever we have seen them play for Villa, have they stamped their names? Uh, have they stamped their names down? Um, have they have they have they given a reason for anybody to think they should get picked? Hardly. No, I think, uh, well, I think it's harsh. You're certainly right. It's just, you can't just chuck all these youth players into the first team picture and expect them to win against seasoned veterans. I mean, you can say all you want about Alan Hansen and, you know, you don't win anything with kids. When Manchester United with, you know, the class of 93 lost against Aston Villa. But this isn't David Beckham, Nicky Butt, (laughs) four scores, Gary Neville, Phil Neville. It's uh, Callum O'Hare, Russian, Hepburn Murphy, Jack Dorhays, Mataji Sarkic and others, and uh, I think they're quality. I think they they certainly have every right and every opportunity. They will have every opportunity to become Villa greats, but to chuck them all into the fire when you're desperate. This is the next season promotions a must. To chuck them all into that battle, it's not going to end well. Last time that happened, we we capitulated. Do you remember that season when basically we threw in Baker, Clark, or Brighton and Bannon? It never worked. Just they didn't they didn't work well with each other, but that's because they didn't have anybody else around them. Didn't have any good quality seasoned veterans around them. Now we talk about the spine of the team. Terry's gonna be gone, Johnson's gonna be gone, Snodgrass is gonna be gone. Who's gonna be the leaders? Who's gonna step up there? You know Yeah, essentially, essentially you've got Jack Grealish and James Chester as the most senior players, and even they aren't guaranteed to be in this team. 
that's the thing. They're, they're, they're the ones who we might have to sell. And I'm sorry, but if we sell Jack Grealish and James Chester, I do not envisage us challenging for for the playoffs. Just won't happen. It will. It won't happen. We like we need the talent in our side, and I don't know where it's going to come from. That's why I'm so. That's why I'm so worried. So a bit a bit more on financial fair play then. Um, Alex Carson on the seventy five hundred Holt wrote uh, two. He bust out two articles today, mate. Two pretty lengthy articles. So a fair play to him um, about financial fair play and about where Villa go from here. And I think they are both worth your, your time so the first one was about Aston Villa they'll have to face a music for reckless spending and their spending has been completely that reckless mate I've, you can say what you want but Villa plan for every situation but the one they're in now and that that's scary and I do think Wineless and Shah for the most part have done good jobs but we're in a position now where we suddenly have to rebuild and we've got no resources to do that I really need the club to come out with a statement to suggest everything's going to be okay. But yeah, yeah. Where, I mean, where 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 is the resources going to come from? Because you you look at the fees of Ross McCormack, and that that's a worry in itself. Because transfer fees aren't instant; they're spread over years. You know, you pay fifteen million, it might be three three million over five years. So you're still paying that off. It's not that though, mate. It's the wages. You may have got Yedinak for four million, but you're paying him two million a year. You know, you may have got John Terry for nothing, but you're paying him millions. Jack, Jack Grealish, you know, he's on peanuts compared to these players. Uh, Henry Lansbury, you may have got him on the cheap, but you're paying him a lot of money not to play. And these are bad, these are terrible decisions. And these are decisions that are now going to define the club because you don't, you didn't even use these players in the player final. You had Kodja, he didn't come on. You had Hogan, he didn't come on until late. Kodja and Hogan, sorry, didn't come on until late. Um, you had Lansbury, he didn't come on. Um, Ross McCormack obviously wasn't anywhere near the team but there's attitude problems here isn't there right Ross McCormack was ridiculously expensive you'd think we'd try to integrate him into the side and see if we can make it work it just never him and Bruce you know as soon as they clashed heads it wasn't going to happen okay fine right but now we've got a player who we spent 20 million quid on or something like that and He's just sat there. This is a championship, you know, where we're, 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 we're spent all that money, right? It's a ridiculous amount of money in the championship and we've wasted it, right? And then Codger and Hogan, say what you like, neither of them have been good enough. And I, it's, Now, Codger, obviously, in his first season was fine, right? He came back from injury and we said, okay, it's gonna give, we're going to have to give him time. We, he's going to need to have a preseason. But James, he hasn't, scored a, he hasn't scored a single goal since coming back. He hasn't scored a single goal and he hasn't looked like scoring. If you want a, if you want a striker to come off the bench, they're supposed to do something. They're, they're, they're supposed to be there to make a difference, and he hasn't made a difference in a single game, James. Like I, I don't, I, no. I don't, I don't know what to say. I mean, I don't know how how you can kind of go two ways about it. Scott Hogan, tremendous attitude. You know, say what you like about the guy. He's 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 done well for himself, and he and he and he did well to to get back into the team. You know, after. Um, after you know he, he he'd been frozen out for a long time, but guess what happened with him? Another player who needs his confidence, right? As soon as the as soon as things start stopped going our way, he didn't pull us back. He didn't pull us out of it. He couldn't pull us out of it, and we had to call on Hogan. Um, we had to call on Graben. So we've spent all this money on players, but what have we got to show for it? Nothing at the end of the day. 
the difficulty for me is considering the decision. I think you can go back now and you can sum up our financial fair play f- um, fears through one move, and that's the move to sign either Jonathan Codger or Ross McCormack because you spent Darren Bent's our record signing. After that, it's Ross McCormack. Darren Bent costs us nine on 22 million. Ross McCormack it would go up to 15 million. That makes him second place. And I think third, fourth, Scott Hogan, Angel, Juan Pablo Angel, of course, and uh, Jonathan Codger. So you look at all these and you think, why did Villa sign Codger if they were signing Ross McCormack? And why did Villa sign Ross McCormack if they were scouting Codger? What's more, why didn't Villa sign Scott Hogan in that summer and not sign two other players? It's, it baffles me, mate. It, you, they say a lot about, uh, you know, and I do think this regime is good. I think they have had the right ideas. I just don't think they've been executed that well at all. I think they've been rushed through and I'd, I, it'd be hard for me to say I'd do a better job and I wouldn't, but it strikes me as being a really terrible idea to have done that, especially, I know you say what you want. You had Kozak and Abanglahor and Hepburn Murphy on the bench. You didn't have to spend 30 million on two strikers who you can when you can only play one. Do you know what? One thing One thing that I've always hated about this club, I love Villa, by the way, yeah. One thing I've always hated is <laughs> we always seem to waste players. We always seem to waste everything, right? <sighs> Mark O'Brien was, was, was one of the first examples of it. You know, you have a tremendous player there who should be playing for England and we let him go for free, right? We, we had guys like Libor Kozak, Rudy Gisted, you know they were they were good solid championship strikers. Ended up you know just being thrown away to the wayside, and we end up spending ridiculous amounts of play. Look, just because a player, just because a striker has done well at a particular club in the championship, does not mean he's going to come over here and start banging in goals. That's not the way it works, especially not if you don't improve the creative players around him. And I th- I like our midfield, right? We've got we 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 do have some good players in the in the team, but I mean what. <sighs> The thing I was worried about was the fact that we don't have anybody as cover for Adoma and Snodgrass, and we don't have a we don't have another option, you know, apart from them. And you know, we we, we almost can't seem to work well as a creative as a creative unit. And so the strikers don't get the opportunities, and as a result, they don't end up scoring. And and as a result, they they lose confidence and and, and never get back to the same level as um as we wanted them to. And uh, I just I just feel as though. You know, you're never going to get the most out of a striker unless, you know, you intend to play him every single game. And you can't have three players like that. You can't have three strikers who who are supposed to be your marquee players. It just isn't going to work. Yeah, very gutted at how everything's turned out because his decision, mate, it, you know, it could turn out well. It could turn out that, you know, we get a sell-on free from the Adama sale or the Vera 2 sale. Two players who have performed well that look to be moving on. And you might just have to get rid of one of your strikers. It could be like that. Or the other thing is, it could be that you have to remove a massive portion of your squad to cover losses. And not many people actually understand financial fair play. It's not just about spending what you earn. It's also about covering the massive losses you've incurred in running this football club. And these losses are quite big. Keith Wyness himself said it would be challenging if the CEO who you'd think would be trying to pull the wool over everyone's eyes, you know, is saying it would be challenging, then it's not just a case of um, getting a few quid or raising a GoFundMe. It is a case of, oh, holy hell, back to square. You know, we'll be on, we'll be beyond going back to square one, mate. We'll be going back to ground zero and we'll have 
to rebuild again with no resources, and that's worrying. That's we'll be essentially we're a season away from being Nottingham Forest, Leeds United, or Sheffield Wednesday, three massive clubs with massive history with a big stadium being stuck. We're we'll be a, we're a season away, not from being a fallen Premier League club. We're a season away now from becoming a Championship also run. Um, but you know, yes, I think I think the weekend was the icing on the cake, uh, and um, I'm just I'm so upset and I'm so angry at the players, and I know I shouldn't be. I know logically, right? You you can't you can't have a go at them, but like, yeah, I'm ju- I just I just feel as though the passion that the fans had and the the want and the craving that we had for promotion to get back in the Premier League, it just wasn't matched by them. And they didn't even look that upset at the end of the game. You know, I'm just looking at it and thinking Snodgrass goes back to West Ham. Johnston goes back to Man United. And by the way, I'm not I'm not saying these guys didn't put any effort in whatsoever. But like, what I'm saying is, and I just want to clarify, is that that extra drive, right, to know that this is that this game is supposed to mean a lot to them, right, and that this game is is going to define them and, and send them back to the Premier League, it's not the same as it was at Fulham. Because at Fulham, all these players are a team. They're all together, and you know this. This this is the chance that they needed. This is the the big big chance for them to to get back up. For us, it just wasn't the same because yeah, a lot of these players know they're not going to be here next season, and I think that's always going to stay in the back of their mind. Um, I just I was just, I was just sad, man. I'm just, I was just disappointed with it. I'm just disappointed with, um, with 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 the attitude on show, especially because that first half was utter tripe in comparison to the second and it's a shame that it all rested on one game but i don't i don't i don't know if it's if it's worth us um speculating on financial fair play at the moment i don't think we know the full details no of course i think uh we'll get into questions in a minute then um i think we've covered you know there's not much more we can say about the following game or financial fair play but we'll come on we'll come on to some questions that so you know you've gratefully given us i just wanted to thank a few people and uh firstly mate i'd like to thank you for being my co-host for a, a, a glo- you know, what has amounted to potentially to be a glorious season. I think we've had our downs, especially recently, but we've had more positives to speak about than negatives. And I think that's a turning point almost. We'll see if it fully resets. But I'm hoping for much more. So uh, thank you for joining me through this season, mate. Just like to get that done on air. Thanks for bringing me out on here. <laughs> no problem, man. Um, of course, I'd like to thank, uh, at Trevor Says, I'm sure you will be as well, for being our executive producer, I guess, throughout the season and uh, hammering on at us about predictions and stuff. And of course, asking us a few questions. And he's pretty much been involved with the show a lot. So uh, thank you, at Trevor Hood. Uh, no, Trevor Hood, at Trevor Says. Thank you very much, mate. Um, any any thoughts on that predictions game he's been running? Oh, yeah, no. I mean, um, I, it's great, the, the fact that I won it. And I want it so dominantly. Um, it just <laughs> it just doesn't feel like much of a victory right now. Um, but I suppose it's a consolation, and I'll take it. Uh, I expect the trophy soon. Um, you can deliver it to me in Salford, Trevor. Uh, I'm 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 awaiting it. Fair play, and of course the gang got seventy five hundred to hold. You've uh, provided us with talking points and uh, their expertise on a number of issues, including drinking in Washington DC, uh, the Indianapolis five hundred among other things, I've uh, been taught how to read into football statistics and uh, how to write better. So thanks to everyone there. And uh, of course, Phil, uh, Phil Vogel, um, to name one, who uh, has joined us a few times this season in your stead 
of course, I think it was when you were interviewing for your big job. So he's uh, he jumped in in your stead uh, to cover a few games. So yeah, and uh, yeah, anyone who listens, uh, of course, the Villa View crew, uh, Dan Bardell and uh, Dan Rollinson, who have uh, you know been friends to the show and friends to us personally. Absolutely. And uh, Matt Matt Lynch, who's uh, come on in your stead as well. Mm. So uh, of course, yeah, we couldn't go without thanking him. So yeah, thanks to everyone who's been listening so far this season. I didn't want to do it at the end of the show. I wanted to do it before the main event, and that is the the final questions of this season. Uh, we haven't run them in a long time, simply because we haven't stopped speaking. No. <laughs> but I thought it'd be uh, good to uh, get into some questions. You ready, mate? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Go for it. Good, good. Uh, first one, mate, is uh, from that man Dan Rollinson at Dan Rollinson, the founder of the Villa View. He wants three words to describe your day. Uh, today, I guess uh, his uh, his answer was uh, moping at home. <laughs> I think that's pretty relevant. Three words to describe your day: tired and hungry. That's what I'm going to say. I just want to I, I just want to mention that it's what it's eight p.m. Oh, no, it's not 10, eight p.m. It's about ha- half ten now, isn't it? Right. Last night, basically because of because of Ramadan and because of my schedule, right? I I work early mornings basically, and I stay up during the night so I can eat uh, and basically I sleep during the afternoon because of the playoff final yesterday I uh, basically didn't get any sleep because I had to stay up during the afternoon and I went into work in the morning um, tired uh, having not slept at all uh, and, and basically trying to avoid any any conversation about Aston Villa so uh, my day was tired and hungry I'm better now of course having slept and, and eaten but uh, yeah Thank you, Villa. Yeah, I guess uh, my three words would be it actually hurts. Mm. It was, it's a physical pain. This is uh, so. Yeah, uh, thanks, Dana, for giving us those, those questions and making us face our darkest innermost feelings. Um, Tyler Dam, uh, Tyler Dam, American outlaw himself, mm. uh, with financial fair play looming. Name one high-profile player you'd be okay with selling, and one who isn't Jack Grealish that you'd try to keep at all costs high profile that's an interesting one Ross McCormack he's high profile isn't he <laughs> he fits the bill yeah I'll take that <laughs> <laughs> no answer the question properly mate come on you know what he means uh okay um it's so I guess you've got Adoma um Andre Green Jack Grealish James Chester I you know what if if we can get a lot of money out of him, if we can get a lot of money for him, I think Odoma. Uh, don't get me wrong; I think he's, I think he's, he's done well for us this season. I think he's been brilliant. He's actually been one of our best players. But um, I think we need to bring in some younger wingers now. I, I, I genuinely think so. And I think I'd rather, if if we're looking at the players on uh, players around, I wouldn't sell any defenders. Um, that's come back. To, that's come back to bite us before. Uh, if we can get a good amount of money for Albert Odoma and replace him with a couple of decent Championship wingers, I think it'd be better. Um, yeah, I'll go for Albert Adoma as well because I think Andre Green is a left winger. He'll fit naturally on that side, ready, bang, ready for next season. He was starting this season, let's not forget, in glorious form until he got injured twice. So, yeah, I think I'll go with Albert Adoma. And I wouldn't want, you know, I wouldn't want that to happen because I think he's been great. And I know he went run off the ball at the end. But a big part of why we were able to finish in the playoff position is because he dragged us there. For, for the first half of the season, to be blunt. And one you'll try to keep at all costs, um, I'll go first, mate. James Chester, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah, 100% is James Chester. 100% is James Chester. I think I said to the um, I said to the Fulham 
the 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 Fulham blog that interviewed me the other day, uh, the Hamien, that James Chester's really an unsung hero. You know, for all that John Terry's done, I think James Chester's covered his back a lot this season. I think James Chester's a Premier League standard centre back, one hundred percent. You know, he'd, he'd fit right in at a mid table team, uh, and he has rescued us at so many points this season. Uh, and uh, you know, despite the fact I think he could have been better in the playoff final, you know, that goes for everybody else as well. Uh, I, I, I just think that for the first time in years, we've got a solid centre back who is sticking with us and is basically staying in our team. Um, you know, and 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 basically a centre back that you can see sticking around for for more than a couple of years. One that isn't Kieran Clark. No, I think uh, James Chester, very underrated player, and I've no. Or do you know when these clubs were circling Johnny Evans? He's a good defender at West Brom, but I've no idea why they weren't looking at James Chester for fifty million less. It's uh... <laughs> he wasn't playing in the Premier League, but uh, it's regardless, I think James Chester would fit into most teams, mate. You know, there'd only be a few that he actually wouldn't fit into. He's a very orthodox centre back as well, isn't he? You know, he's 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 uh, he's he's pretty much you know incredibly well rounded, isn't he? He's good. He's good on the floor, and he's he's good. You know, when it comes to corners, he's good at set pieces as well. You know, he's he's very much your your. If you were to create like a a perfect mould of a centre back, uh, he fits the bill there basically, and he and he, and he can play a decent um, pass as well. And I think the best thing about James Chester is. Doesn't seem to be making dodgy errors all the time. No, I agree. I think he's really classy and uh, it'll be a shame to lose him. Uh, Tyler's got a second question. Who do you see being more important next season? Is it Keenan Davis or Andre Green? Andre Green. It's going to be Andre Green. Uh, Keenan Davis, I like him. Uh, I think he'll be a good option, hopefully, for us off the bench. And, uh, you know, hopefully, right? Hopefully we get to see him start more as well. Uh, but is he going to fire us into the champ- into the Premier League? Uh, I don't think so. Uh, he's a good player, and you know, next season will be you know will be will be a big season for him. Andre Green. The reason why I say him is that you know, whilst whilst I did say earlier, you know, he hasn't shown enough to to, to say that he's he's going to be consistent for us. There is a chance I think that he does show up next season, and if he does, uh, then if we can get him and Grealish playing alongside each other, you can imagine him and Onoma linking up quite well as well. If he does then it could be important to us because we don't have enough wingers. Uh, and, and Snodgrass is going to be going back to West Ham. I doubt we're going to get him back. Uh, I don't know who we're going to bring in to replace him. Um, and also, you can we, we need somebody who's going to who's gonna offer something different to what we've currently got because it seems to me that Adoma and Snodgrass played the whole season together on the left and right wing as 30-year-olds. Uh, and, I, I, you know, we, we need to start bringing some more youth and pace into the side. Yeah, I think I'll go for Andre Green as well. I think Keenan Davis uh, excelled for us in the early stages of the season. Then again, he ran away from him in the second half. He didn't get his regular football and he was brought in a bit part role. So I think uh, Andre Green, because these wings are going to be essential, mate, uh, coming up. Uh, Tom Jones at Not A Welsh Singer. A bit disappointed there. I thought he was the actual Tom Jones. Um, Simple one. Would you keep Steve Bruce or move on? And this is a talking point that I was going to bring to you before questions. But since we had a question about it, we're going to answer it now. It's hard, mate. Every single manager I'd hire instead of Bruce has massive flaws. I think I've seen Oscar Garcia banded around. Um, He's a good manager. Do I think he'll punch Jack, Jack Grealish in the head or uh, lay out James Chester? I think he would. Not for his own fault, but he could bring toxicity back in the dressing room. Dean Smith, he hasn't had a job as big as this. 
and he hasn't finished very high with Brentford. He's punched above his weight, but Villa's not a club that needs to be punching above its weight. He needs to be finishing up there. It's uh, it's hard. They all have flaws. Uh, Steve Bruce, of, of course, has his flaws. And anyone you hire in to replace him, you're not going to get Mikel Arteta. You're not going to get Patrick Vieira. They're too big for this job. Why, yeah, but why would I want them, man? Like, this is the thing, right? Derby are out here looking for Frank Lampard as, as manager. Why, why are you bringing in Frank Lampard? Right, you've you've bet you haven't been able to you haven't been able to to get in the Premier League. You haven't been able to break into it for years and years and years, right? And it's because the players seem to bottle it at the last at the last uh, at the last second, right? Bringing in good orthodox managers has 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 been good for them. You know why 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 bring in somebody with no experience at the management game? What what makes you think that he's gonna he's gonna take you up there? So you know, forget all these Mikel Arteta, Patrick Vieira type managers, right? For what it's worth. Patrick Vieira at New York City. He's had quite a bit of money. I don't think he's done. He's, I don't think he's done well enough over there. All right, uh, you know they, these guys were were linked to the Arsenal job because they're ex players. I I don't. I I do like the idea of giving young managers a chance, but they only really work at teams where you know there isn't a mess to sort out. Right now, you need an experienced head. Right, the club has been dealing with these issues for a couple of years. Right, like it or not, Steve Bruce has improved Aston Villa since he came in. Now, the, the question as to whether or not he should stick around is all dependent really to me on what the players think of him and whether the players are going are gonna to play for him. If he has the players' support, you keep him around because regardless of, of, of what's going to happen with financial fair play, no other manager is going to understand the situation as well as Steve Bruce. So that's one thing, right? I do genuinely think if we keep him around, uh, we're, we're, we're better off than trying to brand around some sort of, you know, sexy European manager that we think is going is, is, is to do something different. There's nothing to me that suggests that bringing in another manager is going to have a positive effect. I, 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 I do not see it personally. Let Steve Bruce carry on the job that he's doing. Yes, it was a poor end to the season. Yes, his football not, might, might not be the greatest at times. but Having said that, I feel like he's the only manager really who's poised to deal with the situation that, that's coming ahead. No, I, I have to agree. I think he has got his flaws. I think they're, they're glaring. But when you consider the other question, who do you hire now? We've got problems, mate. we got problems. I mean, he just the steady hand. And, you know, if that means keeping Bruce, it, it has to mean keeping Bruce. We are in a position now where we can't be picky and we're going to have to find a hell of a manager, a hell of a gem to replace him. If we are, because you know, no more, we can't afford another half measure. You can't afford to hire a manager and it not work out. Yeah, yeah. So you either stick with Bruce, who's going to possibly get you fourth or fifth and another chance, or you hire a manager like Garcia or Smith. You could finish first with, but it's no guarantee. Yeah, <laughs> you know, there's no guarantee that you don't finish out them playoff spots. Well, you just don't know, do you? You just don't know. And uh, the other thing we don't know is, is is how well these kinds of managers, you know, do in the transfer market, um, especially considering what's about to happen. And I, like, I do genuinely, I trust Steve Bruce with this now. I, I, I trust him better than I trust anybody else. Uh, tactically, perhaps he might not be great, but why not bring in another coach? You know, that's that that's 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 the kind of thing that that helps that kind of thing out. You know, I think. People think that a manager is a be-all and end-all at a club. Uh, I don't think that's true, uh, and I think I think we're we're better off just waiting, you know. And uh, there's no point sacking him before the start of the season, you know. See what happens next season. See what you can do, but remember that this club. I mean, 
that, yeah, this this is something to mention actually, right? Whilst we're being real, remember that this club was an absolute mess when he came in. Those players were an absolute mess. They were nervous wrecks. They could not get a job done whatsoever. They couldn't. You know, it seemed like we would never be able to pull out a goal from anywhere. It seemed like any time our defence got challenged, they they broke, they fell apart. Vestiges of that were still around on that Champions League final, on that playoff final that we were in. You know, we saw that attitude creep back in. But Steve Bruce managed to eradicate most of it. And he's the first manager that's been able to get rid of all of those attitude problems at our club since Tim Sherwood did for about the length of about two months. <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, I have to agree there, mate. It's, it's going to be a hard question, one we can't really answer. But uh, we'll move on. At Trevor says, of course, that man Trevor Hood has a question. All things considered, how's morale? Morale over at the blog and in the podcast at 7,500 toll. On the blog, it's all right. I think we're prepared for all situations. I think Alex Carson on the, the site has it covered with two excellent articles I've mentioned. But our morale, I think we're a bit deflated. We have some exciting plans for the for the whole cast, and you know we we, we still will, you know. And it's, I think it's just a case of we we really hope that that you know we'll be able to find some positivity before the start of the next season. I hope that we're not going to be hammering on about financial fair play. I hope the stories are going to be positive, you know, in in the people that we're looking at signing. I hope that's what we're going to be. I think that's what I hope that's what we're going to be talking about. Um, I just don't want this to turn into another here we go again. With, uh, that, that we had under Doug Ellis. Declan O'Donoghue, uh, long-time fan of the podcast, long-time listener, at Decamoto on Twitter. As a fan, excluding the benefits to the club of promotion, do you think it's more fun supporting Villa in the Premiership or Championship? Declan himself has found this season to be one of his favourites, mate, and he's been following the team since the 90s. So, uh, no, I agree. The league is fantastic in itself. It's the fact that there's such massive consequences for not escaping it. It's almost like football in purgatory. You go and visit and see all these fantastic things like, you know, Dante's fucking circle of hell, where you see all these things that have gone on and what's happened and all these past relics and all these broken empires. And then you realise, hang on, actually, we've got to get out of here. It's not uh, it's not the best place for us to be because what happens, mate, is uh, the league puts restrictions on the money in and out and it's for good reason. But it's uh, if you get relegated, the rule shouldn't be that after three seasons you've got to cut your arm off. So, uh, you know, I, I love us. I love it. The championship. I think it's a great league. I think it has amazing results and some excellent dynamics going on. But the consequences of not going out are not it's just terrible. You are in the premier in the premiership. As far as I as I'm concerned, we were pretty much in the championship you know, as soon as 2011 hit, basically, you know, the team were already morally in the championship. They they had no ambition from that point. Uh, and I think that's why, you know, it was so poor seeing the team and uh, watching the team in the premiership. I think when you see the team play with a bit of positivity and actually, actually have a goal in mind and actually, you know, try to achieve something. I think that's why this season has been different for you. You know, as, as, as deflating as the end of the season has been, you know, for large parts of the, the, the club, they had a positive attitude. You know, they had they had an idea of where they wanted to be. You know, when we were under when we were under um, uh, Randy Lerner, you know, um, when we were under Randy Lerner. By the way, I, I mentioned Doug Ellis earlier. I, I meant to say Randy Lerner. By the way, let me let me just put that out there. Um, we were surviving for the sake of surviving. We were there essentially so that Randy Lerner wouldn't get bankrupt 
almost to that point. We were, we were there, you know, just existing. Um, now under Tony's ear, we do seem to be trying to get back in the Premier League. I mean, we've done an absolutely dog's, dog's dinner job of it. Right, but uh, I, I think I think that's why you've enjoyed the season more. Um, just uh, breaking, mate, is that uh, take it as you will. It's uh, from the Daily Mail, but uh, Steve Bruce's position is uncertain at Aston Villa. I think we all knew that anyway, but it's worth talking about. And uh, it is believed that John Terry will actually leave the club. I think it was thought that there would be some work around and that the club would find a way to bring him on, whether it was as a player coach or even player manager. It's not happening. He's uh, told his Villa teammates in college to keep in touch, which is uh end of an era there, live. You, you came in to do a job, right? And he did well as a leader for the most part of it. But, you know, when it, when it came down to it, when it came down to the wire, were him and the other leader figures able to keep their bottle? bottle? No, they weren't. Uh, now. I think James Chester can take what John Terry's done at the club and and move forward with it. Uh, I don't think anybody expected John Terry to stick around in the championship. So, you know, it is what it is. And uh, I think I think this season really proved that. You know, I you know what? I I actually I actually think that he did really well this season. I'm not going to lie, right? But I think just I think that that playoff final was the was the nail in the was the nail in the head rate basically, wasn't it? Because it showed that. He can't. He can no longer do it under pressure. Basically, yeah, definitely. Um, moving on to another question: uh, the Claret and View, the award-nominated uh, Aston Villa blog that's come onto the scene recently, run by Regan Foy, mm. uh, Claret and View at Claret and View on Twitter. I should add. Uh, he wants to know personally: Do you think Villa's new approach towards marketing across social media and everything they've done? has had a positive effect on the fan base. I think, yeah, I think for the most part, it's been very good. Sometimes I've been a bit dry. I think some of the video content's been a bit lackluster. It seems to be a bit iMovie produced and I think they do need some fresh blood in that department or some additions at least because it's not going to affect financial fair play bringing on some marketing staff. Um, but the branding, I think everything's been cool mm-hmm. and it has made me feel, you know, quote unquote, hashtag part of the pride. It's been all inclusive and I think I've done a good job of all things being said. Yeah, no, I, I think they, I think they've done a tremendous job online. I think they've, uh, I think they've done a good, a good job of making the players seem a lot more, um, what's the word? Um, a lot more relatable. You know, they've, they've put out some good videos, some good content. Uh, it's basically modernised Villa, which is which is good. You know, that's that's the sort of approach we need to be taking, really. And uh, we don't we don't want to be seen as this old sort of old fashioned traditional club that uh, that can't have a bit of fun. Um, all things said, I wish we had a little bit less fun near the end of the season when things got serious. But all in all, I think the social media uh, marketing. Um, has been really good. Um, we're going to finish up with uh, a final question from Paperwork Ninja. That's at Paperwork Ninja. And this is because the other two questions we've had are quite financial fair play based. And I think I uh, can't bear thinking about that. Yeah, uh, this what don't get me wrong. This question is a bit, but uh, Paperwork Ninja wants to know, can we keep Grealish for next season? Um, but more importantly, <laughs> if we can't, which team signs him? Wow, really? Um... <laughs> Wolves. I think, I think there's a str- there's a strong it. chance that it's a, either a top four club who puts him in the under twenty three team, or it's one of Leicester or Burnley. Yeah, Leicester have done it before, haven't they? I think, I think, I think, I think. To be honest, the club 
that should sign him, really, who should be looking at him right now, is Everton. Um, personally, if I'm if I'm Everton, I'm looking at him thinking, right, we haven't got Barkley anymore. Rooney's gone. We need a decent attacking midfielder. We need somebody who's going to make this team a little bit more positive because Everton, you know, have, have had a reputation this season for being a little bit lackadaisical. Player like Grealish seriously improves that side. But yeah, Leicester, Leicester, he'd work well in as well, especially if when they play. Because sometimes they play with the four-one. 4-1, don't they? You know, they? They go with that sometimes, and I think Grealish would work well in that midfield as well. But yeah, if I'm Everton, I'd be looking at him. What you've got to think about as well, I think of Liverpool as well, and I think of Adam Lallana's getting it on a bit. I think that Coutinho's gone, and I look and I think Jack Grealish wouldn't cost us that much money relatively to what we'd spend. You know, we spend £70 million on Van Dijk. Grealish would cost us upwards of £20-30 million. I'll take that chance. Never have we ever got. We have never got what our players are worth. We have never got it. I think Milner was close. Twenty-eight million plus a player. That's all right. That 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 just really, really like that. That was basically it made us look like an absolute cock of a club. Basically, <laughs> it's like yeah, here you go, have what you want. No, it seriously, it was, it was, it was really, really cocky of the club, right? Like it was like, yeah, you know what? Go for it. Nine million. It is what it is. I know we had a release clause on it, but you know that that was that was stupid in the first place, right? Penteke as well at the time should have been worth more than he was. I think it was thirty million, wasn't it? We sold him for yeah, 30, 32 thereabouts. Okay, that's fair enough. Okay, thirty-two million. That's that, that's fair enough. It is what it is. Um, thirty-two million more. Yeah, yeah, true, true. <laughs> you know, I'd, I'd, I'd have I'd have got you know I'd be I'd have, I'd have been looking at thirty-five, forty million for him really. You know, at the time. That's football manager talk coming in now from you, isn't it? If you AC Milan's side, uh, someone bids for you, one of your players and you, you improve the bid to 35 million well, and someone, they knock it down to 32. You're like, yeah, okay, man. Yeah, that, that's higher than 30. I'll take that. I'll take no, that. But, you know, I'm, I'm being I'm being serious. Like, we, we our players never seem to go for for, for what they're worth. And I, I, I think the same thing's going to happen with Jack Grealish. Uh, I, 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 I genuinely, I foresee us waiting for too long Right, waiting for him to run out his contract, perhaps, and even leaving on a free. I don't know if that will happen, but it's a possibility. Or I can see us. I, I bet you, if Jack Grealish leaves, it will be for a sum of like fourteen million. What's your market value for Jack Grealish then? Thirty, thirty-five. Gen- I think that's a fair price. I think I think that that is what he's worth. You know, he's in, he's one of England's twenty-three star players. Uh, and you know, as as much as people don't realize it, and fans of other clubs don't realize it, Jack Grealish is the real deal. You know, he means a lot to us as a club. And he's worth more than that. He's worth more than 14, 15 million. He's, he's just, it wouldn't be fair if we didn't get anything more than that for him. I think it's similar to Benteke and Dalf because, and Milner, because these players have meaning. They weren't Ashley Young or Stuart Downing who come in and, uh, you know, they're excellent players. But, you know, you had Milner, Dalf, Barry and uh, Benteke who transcended, you know, that they had this, you know, you had meaning behind them, and uh, Grealish has got that, and not many players have that. You know, James Chester's one who, who's earned that, but Jack Grealish, it's even more because he's come through the youth academy. It's almost like Gabby ten years ago when Arsenal and Everton and all that were chasing him, but, but more like times ten. It's uh, it's scary because you you, you are going to lose Jack Grealish because I don't see Villa, Villa will ha- it's going to be a fight next season, and. Uh, Jack Grealish isn't going to go for market value. Not he's at not, all. He's not. He's going to go for about fourteen million, right? I, I, I literally, I'm going to. I could make a bet on it right now. It will be under fifteen million that he leaves for. 
don't get me wrong, that saves Villa if the financial fair play restrictions are bad, and I'm grateful for that. But it shouldn't. There shouldn't be a league rule that enforces the selling of your best player. That enforces it when you can afford it. If Villa, if everything's well at Villa, and Tony Shaw says he is, Villa can afford this. It's just the fact that we have to cover losses, and losses are natural in football. If especially if you're a massive Premier League club, every Premier League club is massive. But if you're Aston Villa, you're coming down from a top six, top six perspective. You're paying top six rights for players. You come down and you're suddenly forced to you cut your arms and legs off and uh, sell your best players and fall in line with the rest, and that's not right. No, but uh, it, it's sad. We're losing so many players. We're, we essentially might may lose Jack Grealish. I think we'll have him for one more season. Then it's a then it's a worry. And uh, I think we'll end on that note, mate. <laughs> you know, don't bear thinking about it, but I'm hoping for a positive off-season. And I hope uh, all things go well. And uh, what's more, I hope that we have something positive to speak about because it's not, I don't want to be negative, but I'm I'm very deflated. Uh, a lot of news coming out isn't great. And people need answers. Everyone needs answers. And there's a lot of players posting in statements on Instagram that look a lot like leaving statements. So, uh We'll have to uh, really just wait on that. And we'll be back next week, I guess. Any final thoughts? I just want to say that, you know, we, we showed a lot of promise this season. We we clearly were um, a side that could have challenged for second place. But I'm really disappointed that, that we bottled it, basically. Um, and I'm, I'm disappointed that we bottled it in the playoff final as well. I cannot, I still, I still can't understand how we produced what we did in the first half when we played... Um, so much better in the second um, and I think a lot of these players need to take a good hard look at themselves and you know basically if they are sticking around next season need to do a lot better um, I think Steve Bruce is going to be taking a lot of blame for what's what's gone on this season but at the end of the day from where I'm standing you know all the players need to look at uh, need to look at themselves um, after that playoff final but hey ho you know we've shown promise we, we've shown signs of being a good side and we need to improve next season uh, whether it's with uh, less resources or or with more, it's uh, it's going to be tough, mate. It's going to be really tough. And uh, thank you very much for uh, joining me today. And uh, we'll be back next Sunday. You can follow him at DHRaza, find me at Gemma Rushton, find us at seventy five hundred Holt, and we'll listen to your criticism across Twitter, across all platforms. You can leave us a review on iTunes, Google Podcasts, wherever you find your podcast. And uh, we'll see you next Sunday. Thank you very much, and goodbye. <laughs>